Кто тут русский мир ждал с логом России на площади? Вы этого хотели, да? Много раненых. Бесцветы пока не видно. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Blackballed. Uh, this is a special edition of Blackballed, and um, we're talking about the war in Ukraine. That video was courtesy of the Ukrainian government. The foreign affairs minister posted that, um, I think it was 10, 10 hours ago or so. Um, just part of the devastation that's taking place in Ukraine uh, at the hands of actual tyrant, Vladimir Putin. And I say actual tyrant because I am still seeing ridiculous posts from many Canadians uh, talking about how Justin Trudeau is a tyrant um, from the comfort of the hot tubs that they had set up outside of Parliament Hill. Uh, this whole conflict has really kind of opened my eyes a little bit. Um, not that they needed to be opened all that much. I understand the difference between a tyrant and a bad prime minister, but the, the contrast has never been more clear. We are living in probably one of the most fortunate states, nations on the planet. And if all that we have to deal with is uh, less than a week of an emergencies act, which was never really fully enacted, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Even though I disagree that he needed to call an emergencies act, but um, <clears throat> or invoke, sorry. It's still crystal clear that we live uh, in one of the most fortunate places on the planet. Um to help me sort of make that contrast even more sharp. Um, I have a special guest today. Her name is Marika Mihailovich. I hope I said that right. She'll tell me if I did or not. She's a local resident where I live. Um, she comes into the library. I work at a library still, and uh, she's one of the patrons that comes in, and uh, she's of Ukrainian descent, and she has family there. So um, I'm gonna welcome her now, Marika. Welcome to the show. Did I get the pronunciation right? We rehearsed it for like 10 minutes before we went on air. No, no, still... you were good. You were good, James. Okay, good. Can you, um, first of all, thank you for, for joining us. I know it's been uh, emotional for you lately, but obviously not as emotional and not as stark uh, as it has been for some of your relatives. Can you give me an idea of what family members of yours are facing, where they are? Can you just sort of give me a, a rundown on what they're dealing with? Yes, um, I have a family in two small towns in western Ukraine. So one town, Snyatin, is about 550 kilometers southwest of Kyiv, the capital of Ukraine. And I'm talking to my cousin's daughter. And um, initially, I, I talked to them on a Thursday night and she was in great distress because she wanted to flee uh, to, via Romania, probably. Uh, her husband is in Spain. 
picking oranges seasonally. He's been doing that for 20 years to make ends meet. But her 21-year-old son refused to go. But the next day, she was a lot calmer because, like, the decision was made for her because um, they're not letting out any men uh, between 18 and 60. Um, they will conscript you into the army at the border if you try to leave. So she is sheltering in place with her son. Um, they've had uh, two airports within 40 and 100 kilometers of them bombed, but their small town of Snyatin has nothing of interest to Putin. There's only like 10,000 people. So I talked to her today. Um, uh, the civilians people have filled sandbags and they have uh, sandbagged uh, the main highway in and out of Snyatin. They have the local armed men are uh, encircling the town. Uh, the police are patrolling the streets. Uh, air raid sirens uh, sound occasionally, um, and then they all uh, run to the basement. They've got their food, water, bedding down there. Um, the, the government has run out of money, Reuni, so if you are being paid, it's with some kind of cards. Uh, refugees have started to arrive in Snyatin. Um, there's a worry that there are Russian or Russian sympathizers, saboteurs, and spies. Hmm. So, you know, the town has asked everyone to register officially. Um, uh, we're trying to send money. Uh, not sure she's checking if the banks were closed. Um, she has baked bread for the first time because, you know, uh, supplies are thin in the stores, right? Then my other, I have my cousin's granddaughter, Tanya. She's in Dubno in northwestern Ukraine, and that would be about 375 kilometers west of Kyiv, the capital. And she's with her two children, 18 and 5. Initially, she wanted to flee to Poland, like the first day. Um, she had a ride lined up, but she didn't have enough money, right? Because you're not only allowed to take out $100 at a time from the bank machines and the banks themselves were closed. Hmm. So she is now sheltering in place. Uh, she said that um, some military installation about 80 kilometers to the east was just bombed. Uh, they've uh, caught some... Russian saboteurs inside Dupno. I'm not sure. I guess they're being held prisoners. And we were just able to send her, you can send, uh, depending where you are, a small amount of money, 100 to $200, to through Western Union or RIA money transfer, something like, like that, to a bank. So we just managed to get $200 to her. And then we sit and wait. Yeah, that must oh, and be. I also have um, mm. my other cousin's widow, 90 years old, is in Snyatin, and her grandson, Taras. So they're sheltering. I mean, she can't go anywhere. She, she, you know, she had COVID. She barely survived. She's in El house, So he has to, you know, uh, to stay in. And, and so we don't. Uh, 
he will be conscripted because otherwise yeah. his grandma will die. Or Original, <laughs> originally, there was there was um, not not like it was deemed safe, but Western Ukraine was considered to be at least um, safer than East, obviously, and it probably is. But there was a lot of unexpected uh, military action in the West. Um, you were saying when we were speaking off air that there was uh, that basically Putin, when he first attacked, just went across the entire border, basically, and started to move in with tanks and airstrikes. Is that right? Yeah, with the airstrikes. His thing is to demilitarize Ukraine. So he hit every airport pretty well and any kind of military installation across the whole expanse of the country. Everyone thought Western Ukraine was safe, but no, that he would just start from the east and, and move in. But he did the airstrikes of, uh, across Ukraine to, to demilitarize, as he it and how when you speak to your family um i mean there i've heard a lot of people I, I've, I've read reports about people with family there and they kind of say all the same thing they they live in fear and then they feel strong and they they live in fear again and then they feel strong but what never seems to go away is hope yeah they all say of course they don't know what's going to happen what's going to happen to them day by day. But you know, after the initial shock, and you know, the worst thing is being distraught, what to do? Do I leave? Do I stay? Who do I go with? Whom do I take? But once you've kind of made your decision, I mean, for the time being, uh, you know, uh, like, you know, if you're not in the direct line of fire, people are mostly sheltering in, in place, and then they are much calmer and yeah, defiant. Ukrainians will fight. That was one thing we were talking off air again. We were talking a lot off air. I just wanted to make sure that I got some of the details right. But the idea that um, Ukrainians would just lay down, that was never going to happen. No, no. Ukraine will never, will, will fight. Yeah. Was there any controversy that you know of uh, among Ukrainians that are, that are there uh, about conscription? Was that something that people were a little bit, whoa, okay, uh, or, or was it controversial at all? I don't really know. I mean, it would be expected. Um, my Insnyat uh, and Roxolana said, like, the conscription started right away, but they're taking those who have already fought, like, you know, in the um, Donetsk and Luhansk, you know, for the, the Russian-backed insurrection there, or people who have had, because in Ukraine there was, um, you know, all young men had to go to three year, two years of military service. So they right. are conscripting those ones first who actually have uh, battle experience or at least, like, uh, you know, army training. So it, right. And, and the spirit of, and I showed you this video, I'm going to show it again. Millions of people have seen it. Um, I just want to use it as an example. And when we come back, maybe we can talk a little bit about what's happening in Canada in comparison to Ukraine. But I'm just going to show you this quick clip here of what I thought was the quintessential, um, you know, strength of the Ukrainian people mixed with a little bit of sense of humor. So um, let's take a look at Bravado. that. <laughs> Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. 
We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. Охренеть. For those who are just listening and not watching, that was video footage of a Ukrainian civilian picking up with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, picking up a landmine off of a road and, and taking it deep into the woods so that Ukrainian military and, and civilians wouldn't get, wouldn't get hurt by it. I mean, have you ever seen anything like that before? Well, my parents and my grandfather went through World War II, right, in, uh, in Poland and... Uh, my dad was conscripted as a Ukrainian into the Russian army, and then he defected, and he was in Finland. So, yes, I have heard many stories of insane heroism that happened during the war, but I have not, during World War II, but I have not personally witnessed anything. Yeah, maybe I just gave away how sheltered um, we are here in this country. I wrote a piece this morning um, Dear Canada, take a moment to realize just how lucky we are. And one of the reasons why I wrote it is because I, I kept on seeing, um, even to, even after the war started, I kept on seeing Canadians who were uh, hell-bent on, on labeling Prime Minister Trudeau as a tyrant. Um, first world tyrants, I guess I would call it. Um, which is a which is a, a leader who makes, uh, who, who I believe made a mistake by invoking the Emergencies Act. But my gosh, it never had any teeth. It, it, it went as soon as it came. And if you call someone like Prime Minister Trudeau a tyrant while watching Putin drop bombs on civilians in Ukraine, I don't even know what to say about that anymore. What, what do you think of when you see that contrast of what we consider, what some people in Canada consider a, a tyrant when you watch uh, images of bombs dropping in your home country? Well, what came to my mind is like the whole... Freedom Convoy has, um, I think it's lost it's a, quite a bit of its appeal to Canadians because Canadians can see what real loss of freedom is, what really fighting for freedom entails, and what a real madman, tyrant, 
is. So it stands, I think, in stark contrast. How lucky and privileged we are and how I am, because if my father and my mother had not been World War II refugees to Canada, then I could be in Ukraine <laughs> and my family, and we could be living through this. Never mind, you know, the, the, the however many decades of Soviet communism. And then finally, Ukraine for the first time becomes an independent nation in 1991. Yeah, and it, it's, it's amazing to me um, how first generation Canadians uh, and second generation Canadians can, can teach uh, multi-generational Canadians how to be patriots you know like there's a lot of people that have been here whose family has been here since you know 15 16 1700s whatever and they just seem to take for granted what's happening in this world and how Canada is largely sheltered from not largely sheltered we haven't had a war on our soil since I mean 1812 I think there was some skirmishes that happened on yeah, this side yeah, of the border. Yeah, yeah. Fort York and all that, yeah. Right, but in modern times, we have had nothing. We have literally been the most sheltered Western nation, I think, on the planet. Because we are protected by three oceans. I thank God for the oceans. And yeah. we are, and we, you know, we span a whole continent and to the south of us is our ally, the states. So we are in such geographically privileged position, whereas... Ukraine and Poland have the catastrophe of being between Russia and Germany. <laughs> yeah, Poland, especially. I remember Poland, uh, reading a, a lot about Poland during World War II and having to face two invasions from two pretty dark forces, the Nazis and the Russians coming from either end. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing what we take for granted here. Um, <laughs> so just... We're going to wrap up in a second, but I just wanted to ask you how you're doing. I know that it's nothing compared to what your family is going through, but what kind of emotional ride has this been for you? And what are you hopeful for? And if you have any information on how to give, um, how Canadians can can successfully send money to sort of help the situation over there, maybe at the end you can mention that. But what are your emotions like right now? Well, I cry every day a little bit. When I, you know, I know my own family immediately is safe, but I think of my Ukrainian people. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, we just uh, wait and see. I mean, if they wish to flee, I have cousins in Poland who are already involved in the relief effort and they will help them. They will drive to the to the border to get them. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it will end because uh, on one hand, I hope they don't fight. And the other hand, I hope they do fight. Uh, so yeah, yeah. they have, uh, you know, overwhelming force against them and no one will help militarily. No one wants to start World War III over Ukraine, understandably. So yeah. Um, yeah. Listen, well, listen, I, I, since last week, since we spoke at the library and you put, uh, we have a happiness wall <laughs> at the library and you put, um, you, you wrote something in Ukrainian. I think it was pray for Ukraine. Like, glory to Ukraine. Glory to Ukraine. And, um, 
I got Marika. I've been thinking about you. Every, I'm trying not to get emotional myself here right now because it doesn't make for good watching. I don't think when the host starts becoming emotional. But I got to tell you, I've been thinking about you every day, and uh, and about your family. And um, I I just want to say that I you know I'm very hopeful that that your country, your home, your your native country, and your family gets out of this unscathed. And uh, and thank you for sharing with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk soon, okay? Yes, sure. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Wow. Um I couldn't imagine. Like that the the sort of helplessness that one would have to experience and the emotions that that go with it. Um you know, not being able to to protect your loved ones is uh guys we've never we've never had to deal with that before um people in this country need to start realizing that um you know the freedoms and the liberty that we have are are self-evident and um i i have a uh i have a really really dark spot in my mind for people who are still claiming that uh our country is being led by a tyrant there is a uh there is a war going on in europe where a real tyrant named Vladimir Putin is uh, is threatening Europe with the ultimate destruction via nuclear weapons. And we had people just as early as last week protesting Justin Trudeau for invoking the Emergencies Act by chilling in a hot tub on Parliament Hill. And you want to know why they were chilling in a hot tub on Parliament Hill? Because nobody was threatening to launch airstrikes against Ottawa and you know the, the, I, I, I can see some people trying to make the argument of you know liberty isn't a race to the bottom and just because our country isn't as uh, isn't experiencing the kind of trouble that they're experiencing in Ukraine that uh, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't fight for what we have guys um, we just had a worldwide pandemic that many people thought was a hoax. And I don't want to get into that because that just pisses me off. But you are seeing what tyranny is when you look at, when you look at things like this. Yeah, России на площади. Вы этого хотели, да? Много раненых. Десятых пока не видно. Like, that is tyranny. Bombs are dropping from the sky. <clears throat> People are in bomb shelters. Marika's relatives are listening to air sirens and then, you know, fleeing to, to the bomb shelters that um, local government has put in place. 
and uh, and our tyrant and the premiers of this country of ours uh, won't let people eat at Denny's if they're unvaccinated. And freedom convoys are off to the rescue. I'm just going to read a little bit from the piece I wrote this morning. And, uh, and just sort of, it gives an emphasis for me about, you know, what the contrast really is and, and what we're dealing with. <clears throat> Perspective is a funny thing. Uh, for some Canadians, the past two years have been difficult, to say the least. Some of those difficulties materialized due to the realities of being in the middle of a pandemic. With dead loved ones, lost incomes, and lives simply turned upside down from the worst health crisis the planet has seen since the, since the Spanish flu. But for others, the pandemic was seen as a gross example of government overreach and an attack on our freedoms. I understand the argument from COVID scrutineers. An opportunistic government has decided to interfere with the principles of basic freedoms limiting our movements and leveling society with restrictions. But nestled at the core of these beliefs is a sense of entitlement so profound that it blinds them from what they should actually be thankful for. Living in a country where their biggest problem was not being afforded the right to eat at Denny's if they did not get vaccinated. Right now in Ukraine, the biggest problem is trying to figure out how to keep your family safe from falling Russian missiles. Um... I'm not going to go an hour with this podcast. Uh, in fact, I'm only going to go for another few minutes. I, I, I don't need to eat up another 35 minutes um, redundantly explaining myself and explaining the difference between um, restrictions because of a health crisis versus fleeing a mad dictator who's dropping bombs on your family. Um, it's self-evident, it's self-explanatory and, uh, and rather crawl into a rabbit hole and, uh, and you give you guys another half an hour of pretty much the exact same message. Uh, I think I'm going to end it there. I want to thank Marika, um, for joining us. I think I might try to have her on again to give a real perspective of what this, this war is doing to families and to loved ones who can't be in Ukraine to help their family. Um, if you have any spare cash that you can uh, send via Western Union or some other method, as Marika was saying, that it's it's difficult right now to get money into the country. Uh, there are a lot of restrictions. She was talking about how a relative couldn't uh, couldn't flee because she didn't have enough money to give to the person that was supposed to give her a ride. There's countless stories like that. There are people who are sheltered in place. And they can't go anywhere. And they're just kind of hoping that uh, one of these bombs launched by Putin doesn't land on, on their house. And, uh, and on that, uh, I'm going to say goodbye. And uh, keep watching the news, guys. You know, keep, keep looking at what tyranny really looks like. And I'll see you next time. Thank you very much.
podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.